This is Mai, the Cosmic Nomad, and welcome to the Acetone Podcast. Today we're with David Sherman, an amazing cinematographer. I knew for not too long right now, actually, since the end of last year. Like, how did you get started as a cinematographer? Circumstance, I guess, of me being a crappy skateboarder and uh, led me to a lifelong career in filmmaking as a DP. <laughs> so it's kind of like a um, skateboarding and then volunteering at the local community channel, then go to college for television, try and get a job in television, not really do that, move out <laughs> west, start filming snowboarding, do a lot of snowboard filming, and then start filming weddings and do a lot of weddings and then meet other people and start doing promos because I'm filming the weddings of people who have businesses and then I'm doing business videos and then corporate videos and then music videos because I meet some director here or whatever, right? And then music videos, like commercials and features. That's kind of the stacked trajectory. When you got started um, shooting your friends, is there another camera person or cinematographer or director that influence you to keep going like you would see their work and you just say you know what that's the person i want to emulate right now because i got all these people around <laughs> me or no that, was, that didn't no, happen not at all because i wasn't like i wasn't like into like filmmaking at all or i wasn't into film you know i wasn't like like i i didn't i didn't grow up even like having a television in the house so we like before I was 15, I'd watched like the same dozen movies probably a hundred times and that's it, you know? Um, so there's a huge gap in, in film knowledge perhaps, or like history. Like I haven't seen a whole lot of films from that, that, uh, <laughs> from my youth, but no, I, I wasn't like super into like, um, certain, certain, even like skate filmers. There's like certain, guys that film skateboarding that are like super yeah that's what i was gonna ask about yeah no but like i wasn't even into that you know i was just kind of into the skateboarding and then and then filming it and like i would we would just do like skits and stuff like that and it was always fun to do that i guess it was like i guess now that now that i think about it there my early like uh filmmaking like inspirations were jackass <laughs> which, it was a, is, which was huge at the time yeah oh my god so, I mean, really. So like Bam, Mar- like Bam Margera and those other guys. Yeah. yeah, I used to. Yeah, I remember those. Like, yeah. Oh my god. But, but, I I love the type of guy that always emulate that stuff and film that stuff. So the filming, it wasn't like the filming where I'd be like, oh, and we're gonna get these. Oh, it's gonna be this sick shot of like um, this beautiful thing that happens, and it's gonna be, you know, it's gonna reference call back to this earlier scene that we did. It was just more like, and then we'll point the camera at it, and it'll be so fun. So, <laughs> did you at any point do photography as well, or is this a straight video? Mm, I mean, I no, not really. I just kind of like picked up straight video. It was just I liked telling like I like telling stories, like skits and stuff like that, right? So it was just fun to kind of put that stuff together. And then I, when I was like twelve, my parents got the very first like iMac. Oh yeah, and it was Is like it the, the one color those, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had that too. Yeah, yeah. Did you? So we got one that it was like, it was like the like 
top of the line edition. And we had never owned like a computer or anything before that. It was just like a family friend started working for Apple and we were just like, they were, my parents were just like, Oh yeah, we'll like drop a stack on this computer. That was super awesome. And it had <laughs> iMovie on it. And I was like, Oh, what's this? And so I, I'm like, I got the camera, I got the footage. I'm going to start editing in this iMovie thing. I put together, I, I put together like a snowboard video um, of me and my siblings snowboarding and I edited it together. And then, um, and it was all, like all in iMovie. And this was like the first iMovie, right? I remember that, yeah. Um, and, and so I showed it to my family. They thought it was amazing that I put like music and I put like a title that like zoomed in <laughs> at the top. It was like, like day in the life, Sherman kids at Glen Eden. Right? <laughs> and, and then, uh, and then um, the family friend that had, that worked at Apple took it and like put it, played it in like the, the Apple store. Mm-hmm. And it was just looping all day in the Apple store, this edit that I did. And basically she was yeah. doing a sales tactic, like, like, look what a 12-year-old kid can do <laughs> with this thing. <laughs> and so I remember like my dad packing me in the car and like he and I drove to the Apple store just to see what just to watch my video play on the Mac at the Apple store. And that was like the coolest thing. So that was kind of that was one of the early like core developing memories uh, or like experiences of like what led me into kind of this field. So after that, how did it progress to doing this professionally? Is there, did you go to school? I just like, I started volunteering at a, uh, a local TV station, mm-hmm. uh, like the community access channel type of thing. And I would do their weekly, like a couple of weekly shows. And I started, um, you know, getting on with the local directors that did the shows there and, and as a camera assistant as a as like a anything you know you'd go and um you'd show up it just the community cable is just all volunteer run with that type of stuff and then whoever shows up they like assign a certain job to you and you do whatever it's like it's broadcast television so it's not like super sexy but um that was kind of the first (laughs) it could be could be (laughs) i guess for me i mean i liked it at the time but uh, like from like i didn't have like uh like a full-time job and that was still in high school and i i just i I was more into over the next like probably until i was like 25 probably until i was 25 like i was primarily about snowboarding and and filming snowboarding and or skateboarding and filming skateboarding than Mm -hmm. i was about filmmaking so at once and maybe that was just because i wasn't making a lot of money doing it but my first jobs were I can't even tell you what my first like actual paid job was. It might have been a might have been a uh, like a s- snowboard thing. I don't know. It was so long ago, you know, those <laughs> memories are getting foggy. But uh, I ju- yeah, I just started like doing like my entire life. Every job I've ever gotten has been just from who I know, who I hang out with, and do things that I like outside of outside of filmmaking with. Because in the beginning, you started off uh, recording your friends, and then later on working at the station so is there a point where you wanted to create your own content rather than just uh waiting for people well i guess i was like i was creating my own content from the very beginning like there was definitely a point much more recently where i made a decision like that like i had been filming all this snowboard stuff and then i started getting into weddings and i was like wow this i can build an actual business filming weddings and it was like one of the dopest decisions I think for me to make at the time because my my work went from like whatever it was filming 
and I went to filming like people in the best makeup in like dope locations in like really nice clothes you know what I mean like everything is is ready there for you so I had a wicked reel of stuff that I never would have had before and then I would build a business shooting weddings and then five years later this is probably five years ago or six years ago maybe I, I was like, I have got to stop filming weddings. Well, you get to a point, and I think I think it's this way for a, a lot of people. And what it, the realization that I came to was that I, I, I don't want to film things that would exist whether I was there or not, mm. right? I want to be filming things that exist only because I'm there. And not just, not me specifically, but like on, on that feature that we did, if there wasn't a camera rolling, none of that would be happening. Whereas all the weddings that I'd shot, if there wasn't a camera rolling, they would still be happening. You know, all the events or marketing like activations and stuff that I've done in the past, they would all still be happening if there wasn't someone filming it. You know what I mean? So you're, you, you want to be part of the process of creating this world rather than, you know, you want to be a factor in this, in this world that they're creating, whether it's you or a team of people. And then you're that piece that makes it work. Totally. Like, I just wanted to be, I wanted like my decisions to matter more and, and, or to be like taken more seriously, you know, mm -hmm. like I didn't want to feel like if I'm making a decision, if I want to make a decision that is going to make everything better, that it would, that would have to consider this, that, and the other thing. And now I know that I still have to do that anyway, but um, yeah, it's just, it's you a know, certain process. things yeah. that, yeah, it's just different, right? Like things that, things that happen without, a camera there are going to happen whether a camera is there or not right and they're going to happen sort of mostly the same way so i can't affect that since then how's your career developed once you made that decision to say you know what i want to be the i want to be a factor in the work that i that i'm a part of yeah once i did that i i shot uh like i shot one more wedding after that which was to help a friend and from then on was like um i, I actually did a, a lot I did a bit more like, like activation videos for marketing companies. So I guess that was also, that was kind of my easing out of it. But if I do a wedding, it's going to lead to more weddings. Mostly if I do yeah. a music video, it's going to lead to more music videos. Mostly, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so once I did that and started, started focusing on, on the work that I wanted to do, then more of it came. Hopefully, once this is all over, it will continue to. <laughs> How are you handling this current situation? Well, really well. Actually, I mean, I've said it a few times to people, but like, aside from people like dying and getting sick, this has been a really nice time for me, you know? At least for me, what has been amazing about this time is that I can do all the little things that I um, have had kind of... Um, in the lineup and without having to worry about um, like if I take a week off to work on a personal project or if I take a week off to like um, you know do a renovation on my house or like just take a week off to do something or a couple days off in the back of my mind is like everyone else out there is working today mm -hmm. right or everyone else that's still working today is is like progressing career-wise more than I am right now at least in this mm. moment they are and so like take that taking that idea and like expanding it to be like a little bit less rigid um it's it's freeing to kind of 
feel like I can do whatever I kind of want to do to to kind of step back and build up these building blocks of of who I am and what I do um, that aren't super critical, but mm-hmm. I want to do without yes. feeling like I'm falling behind on the things that are super critical, like keeping the career going and doing good work and making money and building relationships and all that stuff, right? So yeah. during this time, do you feel that for creatives and and in your case as cinematographer, you need to stay relevant because in this day and age of, you know, everything's quicker, Instagram and you name it, like if you don't create something, even during this whole time, even if it's something small, two minute, one minute, even if it's smaller than that, doesn't matter, that you feel like you'll be irrelevant or you'll be forgotten? It can happen. Um, but I don't really feel that because like, I guess I'm not too worried, like broad strokes, I'm not too worried about about the you know getting work after this you know mm-hmm. because a lot of the people that I get work from are people that are personal friends anyway and they know and, your work and then yeah and they don't need to see that I'm constantly posting work you know to to give me jobs but but sure like the extra the extra work beyond that especially and obviously that stuff isn't going to sustain me forever but um like I'm, I'm not posting I'm not posting work um that I'm doing on Instagram or Facebook or anything like that. I don't feel the need to do that. What I feel the need to do though is, is do something, you know, and share that. Like uh, I, everyone's po- everyone's sharing like things that they're cooking, right? Um, but like even just doing that, I feel like I feel like at a certain level, and I'm not necessarily at that level, but and maybe that level is just different all the time. But um, at a certain level, it doesn't really matter the work that you're doing it just matters like the how interesting you are as a as a person or how nice you are like all that stuff you know yes i agree so basically my point is if i'm i would rather fill my instagram feed say with with uh like me playing with my kids and putting up shelves and uh making food and like stuff like that uh than me at work if you know yeah because people are gonna relate to me more maybe yeah because they, they'll see you as they'll see you as a human and not some robot. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Plus, I'm not doing any work anyway, so I have nothing to post. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel it's testing you? This whole situation is kind of testing you, as we're talking right now, to be more creative. Because now you have so much time that you know what? What if I created this? I I didn't have the time, or to just totally. you know whatever it might be. Like I, I'm sitting, at, like I'm sitting on like a some personal projects that I that I'm getting done and like i'm taking a few more pictures around the house you know see like i don't really i don't really like uh see like cool shafts of light and take (laughs) pictures of my wall you know too often but i've been doing it lately (laughs) so so that's me is there a time throughout your career that you felt you didn't want to do this at all like you were like you know what I need to take a break for a while or a hiatus or something like that. I think so. And I honestly, like now that I'm, you, you say that and it reminded me of a time like a year ago or, or maybe like a year and a half ago where I kind of felt like, like taking stock, but I don't even remember what the uh, catalyst for that was, you know, mm-hmm. I think it was actually, I think it was just that I was working a lot of really long, uh, really long days on, on shoots that were ill, maybe, the, I, I felt like the amount of work that I was doing or the amount of effort I was exerting uh, wasn't 
wasn't really matching the output that I was wanting and so, whether that was my fault or not, like it just kind of started to burn me out a bit. So you felt like what you were working on was not going anywhere. Totally. Yeah. Like, and that, that sounds, I guess that to me, when you say it, when you say <laughs> it coming from my mouth, it sounds like kind of like, like I'm too cool for school, you know, like, like, <laughs> oh, like I'm doing all this like awesome work that is just not like developing me very much because I'm already so developed. <laughs> it's not that. It's just like, I don't know, like you, you do enough of the same same thing over and over again. Even if it's not all that much, don't, oh, it, I, I know what it is. It's like when I'm not like afraid of like the next day's shoot a little bit, you know, when I'm not concerned about, about what might happen and how I'm going to deal with something, I feel like I'm a bit too comfortable maybe. Yeah, you get it. Every, every, person in any creative field kind of gets into that slump of this whatever it might be repetitive work or similar repetitive work throughout your career is there a point where you had a like a funny experience on set uh oh like i'm sure there's plenty um there's like i mean there's a lot of situations there's situations that happen that aren't funny but they're like your jaw drops you know and you're just like or you think back on it like just thinking back on like the feature, there's a few moments that that we did. There's a few moments that I was just like thinking back on it, like at the end of the day or like a couple of days later and being like, what? Like how on earth did all that happen on one day or something like that, you know? <laughs> but like funny, like funny things that, that happen on set, like it, I think just the funny, I, the funny things don't aren't even like filmmaking related they're just like like there's um a couple of people that like i work a lot with and then we just have camaraderie and um one director in particular ben that i that i shoot a ton of stuff with um we share the same type of humor we share the same inside jokes and we're just like uh constantly constantly just like joking around on set and it probably brings the pace of the day down a bit but it brings the energy of the day up, you know? And so stuff just gets, sometimes just is funny on set and it's not funny. Like I had, the, the one thing that comes to mind is like, we just all of a sudden, a bunch of us started talking about how funny it would be to just like be chugging like this jug of ranch that was right there. Not that, that's not funny, but howling because you, you're probably low on energy. And being on set, it's, it's at a, you start off with sometimes familiar faces or new faces mm -hmm. and at by the end or the midpoint you're like you know these people to a certain point that yeah. your guard is down you're more comfortable with them things start <laughs> to become weird and absurd and funny just to pass the time in between and between between scenes uh, you know and like i end up working with with the same the same people over and over again a lot i just like i think back on the like the first day with the whole crew and then the last day with the whole crew and like it's like all, all of a sudden you it's like we're oh are we best friends it's like yeah <laughs> you know, but i feel like i feel like best friends with everybody from day one so uh, it's like yeah you grow to know in the beginning you're kind of uh, a little bit awkward and weird you're like Dude, will people get my humor will people get my weirdnesses and my eccentricities so it really totally. it's a weird thing you develop on set i think it's like a um I think it's like a uh, you you bond over like shared experiences, right? And and you tend to bond more over 
experiences that are shared that are not quite ideal, you know, when everyone's suffering together. Yes. And, um, that tends to, you know, that happens a lot where it's not like the worst thing in the world, but like it's not an ideal situation that you're in and everyone's just trying to make the best of it and it kind of brings people together maybe. After this, do you feel like you're going to change your whole approach? Like in terms of professionally, like would you start directing? Um, I mean, I do direct sometimes anyway, but I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't really want to be a director. I like directing the five projects a year that I direct, you know, mm -hmm. but um, I don't think so. Like other than, you know, me not like, shaking hands with people after this <laughs> i don't think it's going to change like how i how i conduct my career you know maybe i'll um i i actually uh i did i i was thinking like a month or like two months ago i was like i like periodically i take on edit projects or projects that i produce shoot edit you know what i mean i just do it all um and they're smaller projects but like they end up always like conflicting with other things and it becomes a real headache to complete and i was like Man, i gotta stop taking on things that i'm that i need to edit myself you know uh, and then this whole thing happened and i was like actually you know what i'll probably keep one or two of those around just in case <laughs> you know because yeah. that you can uh, do at home in a number in a, in a pinch is is pretty clutch you know the way the industry is going do you feel there's a certain trend that is not helpful to cinematographers. Um, yeah, things needing to ha happen faster and faster. Uh, the pace is not helpful. Um, I mean, it's helpful to pocketbooks, but um, which is which is fine and dandy. Um, just things needing to happen faster is not ideal. And then I'm I'm in a situation. I'm in like a. a a spot where I do a lot of everything myself as mm -hmm. a as a DP, and I don't often work with big crews. You know, my average crew, is, like usually for eighty percent of the jobs that I do, I have I have like three people working under me or four people maybe, and and that's all fine and dandy. But I think expectations getting higher for what that amount of people can accomplish both for me and production is not necessarily helpful to mm -hmm. me. um other, other than that i mean everything i think is getting making it easier to be a dp <laughs> <laughs> i think i think yeah. actually another thing that kind of because you know i'm not the um, the majority of the things that i shoot are shorter form right and faster paced mm -hmm. and so one thing that hurts or hinders me or what I want to do as a DP is the pace of things, right? The mm -hmm. shot, the type of shots that say I would, that someone would, that would make it into an edit like 30 years ago or 40 years ago. There's like, it, you know, it's like a 25 second shot. That's like, let's say it's like a establishing shot in this thing. It's like the pace of things. Yeah. It's just so much faster now. And so the amount of time spent on each shot is, is lower. And then what you can do with each shot is also more limited. Do you feel that, so talking about the pace of things, 
you're right in older films there's like the opening scenes would be a lot more extravagant more longer you know you have more time to get into the vibe of the film some people hate that some people love it but do you feel that that would come back or is it more of it's economical to just get right to the point um well i don't know with features but the if it's anything like music videos um with music videos like there has to be some hot action within five seconds yeah right because every music video like they know that they're going to have a pre-roll ad for it Mm -hmm. right and so they need that first five seconds where you can't click skip to be impactful. So you can't really have a music video that and whatever, right? So that doesn't necessarily translate to to feature films or narrative, but it prop that same idea of the the like surrounding economics of 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 the thing impacts how it's implemented. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess it depends on the format and the use of the footage and how it's yeah. going to be. If it's yeah, in the music video, it's a, it has to be on point. Da, 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 get to the. But then it depends also too. You can, if if it's a new artist, you have to go right to the point. Maybe if it's an established artist, you can have a lot more leeway in terms of longer videos. You know what I mean? Sure. Like cool. Justin Bieber. Like I don't know, remember when Justin Bieber started like having his buddy is like buddies shoot all his music videos and they were terrible but it's like who cares they still get a billion views yeah because he already had he already had the fans so he can put out anything he wanted yeah (laughs) it's yeah yeah, i guess yeah it it all depends on the artist there's artists that uh that i like that i won't mention but would have long intros and it would just be beautiful you would enjoy it you'd already know the song you already know the music and it depends on the viewer and how long they have how how much patience they have if they're independent or if they're um, with a label. So it all depends on that. Do you feel, do you think you would ever get into more of a bigger budget features? You know, I'm like, I guess I would, I mean, yeah. Would I do something? Would I, would I accept like a $500 million film? Of the new, course. The next Michael Bay. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Hey, Hey Dave, this is a really like outlandishly massive jump in budget for you to handle. Hey, do you think you can handle it? But I mean, I think that everything is just everything's just incremental. Like like ten years ago, I couldn't fathom like even doing a like a project that had a director. You know, ten years ago, I wasn't doing projects that had both a director and a DP. You know, mm. um, you were both. I'm assuming back then. Yeah pretty much like I was everything yeah <laughs> but like I like I remember when I was in when I was in school and with one of my one of my friends at the time she was she was saying that um she's like we we're trying to arguing back and forth about whether you need a director and a dp or whether the dp and director can be the same thing on low budget things right and she was like adamant that like no you have to have a director and a dp and I was adamant that like no the director can be the dp and it's like much more efficient that way. <laughs> and like my opinion on that has changed, but like we established like a $5,000 budget as like the point where you would have a director and a DP. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that probably still stands a bit, but depends what it is. Do you, <laughs> well, I guess it, it depends on how, 
a person became a DP in a sense. Like, what's their background? Right. And in your case, you were always doing everything yourself. So you were used to wearing multiple hats within one project. Totally. But, but, now, now. but now you feel now you feel like you've started to like uh, in a sense get the, like you want the separation because you can strictly focus on that and do the best uh, cinematography you can and the director will do what they do totally like if, yeah like i can like if i'm the best hat maker but someone wants me to make them a full outfit and a nice hat <laughs> The hat's probably going to suffer because I'm spending all my time making that outfit. But then if I get the best tailor, the best designer, whatever, then I can focus on the hat. They can so, focus on everything else. Do you feel, <laughs> do you feel that um, for younger, up-and-coming, uh, I would say, camera people, because they won't necessarily fit into one thing because they want to do everything, do you feel that in the beginning it's good to yeah. be a jack-of-all-trades? Yeah, Definitely. I think there's like benefit to both being a jack of all trades in this industry. That would, that's like a videographer, right? Mm -hmm. um, but there's also benefit to being like a, to doing like the um, PA, camera PA, train, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and working your way up through the ranks and like doing like a single job underneath other people that are doing a different job. Mm -hmm. right? There's benefit to both those things. But I think that the, I, I, at least I connect more with the mindsets of people who started from doing everything themselves and slowly yes. started adding people around them because those people have the, they ha I feel like they have the, the creative, like the creative, like brain for like, I'm doing this, join me. You know what I mean? From day one, you know, I agree. I instead, totally agree. Instead of like, instead of like, uh, these are the building blocks that we'll use type of method so that's you know i just connect with that maybe because that's been me but um yeah you can't have a you can't you can't make a dope feature or commercial or anything with a whole bunch of people who are just videographers you know <laughs> yeah, i would love to see that i would love to see that video <laughs> see a bunch of people running around with their with their uh with their uh, Ronin S's and seven S's. And <laughs> that <laughs> would, it, the only way that would work is Travel if. transitions and they stay <laughs> I, I, Seriously, I would, somebody do that, whoever's listening to this, just do that. That would be amazing. <laughs> um, no, I, I totally agree with that. That's the way I started. I would do, like I said, everything because I had to because of budget or time constraints or you can't, sadly, you can't always wait for people. And there's an idea or a project that you want to do and yeah. people are not available or there's no one that you know that can do that. So you're teaching yourself to do that. Mm -hmm. Do you feel you've been in those in those uh, do you feel you've been in those scenarios of you had to teach yourself something because you couldn't find the right person for that job? Absolutely. I, I've done that more times than I can count. But like <laughs> this, is, that kind of leads me to a, like another thought that that I, I one of my like core beliefs in in this industry is that i feel like everybody needs to produce everybody needs to be a producer at, you know at some point mm -hmm. because you you're not gonna like like you need to be the person who is responsible for making a production um on budget on time and 
be good and you know what I mean all those things you need to be the one who's actually like has the fire under them to do it because mm-hmm. otherwise you won't get like you won't have the understanding to you, you know if you don't have that experience then you're just a more one-dimensional your beliefs about what the industry is like or should do or whatever right yeah so i think everyone should produce and i've had to produce like so much of my life you know i still do and I, I, I like producing things sometimes um but like it's it's all just like whether it's being a dp or producing or directing or or you know building something in the backyard or something whatever it is you know it's my what i like about what everything is the problem solving aspect mm-hmm. and um chance to, to like to create something myself to solve a problem is what i like and so when i produce there's you know if you produce something where you have to wear all the hats there's a lot of opportunity there to um to have those situations where you need to learn something and create something and figure something out you know come up with a solution i totally agree i don't know if i'm i've shot a bunch <laughs> of music videos i've shot a bunch of music videos that i've you know have been low budget they've been passion projects they've been for friends and whatnot and and i've had these come up with like these elaborate ideas that it's like well we can't we can't actually it's going to be really hard to make this work for like five grand but like i'm going to throw everything i am at it right and so I'm producing it and then I'm figuring out like how to manufacture like this piece of wardrobe. I'm figuring out like how I'm skipping, I'm figuring out how like what I'm going wardrobe shopping and I'm going like figuring out like story and I'm figuring out like what the light is going to do on the day and I'm figuring out crew and I'm figuring out catering or crafty and I'm figuring it out and i'm like oh shit how do i get like 20 people to this location and like, oh you know what i mean there's all these things all of a sudden that i need to solve and that's kind of fun after you've solved it yeah and at the end of the day it's if you can learn how to be a good problem solver and how to recruit the right people because you've done it yourself you've put yourself in those situations i think it makes you a better creative person really because you can assign these projects or assign these roles to the right people because you know you know exactly what it needs what needs to be done so i totally agree totally agree do you have any advice for any up-and-coming uh cinematographer really i guess i think my advice is that figure lean into what it is that you like about filmmaking that isn't the actual picture gathering and and figure out how you can keep that part of it going forever like i like the problem solving portion of it and and so if you know if i'm not solving the problems then maybe it's less fun to be the dp if everyone else is solving the problem for me mm-hmm. um, so my advice would be to do things the way you want to do them don't do them because there's an established way of doing them. You'll eventually fall into the established way of doing them because that's probably the best way. But yes. if you spend your time trying to be like, well, you know, a, a DP would have a first assistant, a second assistant, and a trainee would shoot on Alexa, would do this. If someone wants to if you, like, have you DP something and you think that you can get it 
like on your GoPro by yourself, then that's, if that'll be fun for you, then that's the advice I would give you to do is just don't worry about doing things the right way um, unless it's safety related. Is there any final words you'd like to part <laughs> to other cinematographers? I always like flying by the seat of my pants a little bit. And I like just figuring out where things are going and, and not, not like planning myself into a corner with, with things. And I, and I like doing things myself and I like that kind of scrappy DIY um, way of filmmaking. Um, and so I just think that like, if people, uh, if people do that and, and want to keep doing that, then uh, they should keep doing that. And, um, and not worry about what uh, the big boys are doing and not worry about where, when that $500 million uh, feature is going to come knocking because <laughs> it'll come. <laughs> At least for me, I hope it does. It'll, it'll definitely come. <laughs> but uh, like, like on that thought, I'm not going to get a $500 million feature next year, but you, know, you never know. I'll get a five million dollar feature, and then maybe I'll get a ten million dollar feature, and then maybe a twenty or fifty million dollar feature. You know what I mean? You never know. Somebody That's could be it, somebody could be goes. writing something, and then they would say, "David," and then you get that call. Yeah. And that's what, whatever that's what you want, David. Whatever camera, whatever anything you want, it's gonna happen. Hey. Here's another thought. Here's another thought for you. And I sort of talked about it a little bit earlier, but because this is a this is like one of the core thoughts that I came away from shooting that feature that we were on. Um, that like it is really not important to be good at at your job. It's just important to be like um, it's just important to be a person that people want to be around. And, yeah, and that like you are responsible uh, for the attitude and the vibe on set. If everyone, you know, if everyone took responsibility for, for, for the vibe and, and attitude that was brought to set, then every set would be a wonderful place, you know? And if things aren't going well, or if things aren't like the, the, um, the best thing you've ever done, like it doesn't matter, or like you don't have to be the best. You just have to be the person that people want to be around. And you'll you'll have a wonderful, successful career. Totally agree. Totally yeah. agree. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sir. It's been awesome. Definitely, I'm gonna awesome. gonna talk to you again for sure, because I want to recap of people that I talked to. So probably after do like this, a, uh, yeah, do like, like a post. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a post post quarantine thing. Yeah. Like, what was your first shoot like coming back from this after not working for three months? Were you uh, super rusty? Did everything go wrong? Yes, thought so. You know? Or it could be the fact that you got that big budget film. You never know. Yeah. Oh, man. It's You'll like you were right, man. Oh, my God. First person to know. <laughs> I say it's going to happen. I'll take that bet. All right, David. It's been awesome. This is my. Thank you. And David. All right. Peace, people. For more episodes, you can find us on Spotify and Google Play. For the visual recording of this episode, you can go to YouTube at AcidXTone channel. Follow us on Instagram at AcidXTone at Cosmic underscore Nomads. 